I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles again and turn to that wonderful book in the New Testament, the Gospel of John. I've been thinking about these themes throughout the Gospel of John these last several weeks. We probably all know of some people in our life that when we sit down with them and get into a conversation, we can anticipate what the topic of conversation is going to be. Perhaps they are all about family. And you could ask them about the color of that car, and that they use that as a segue to talk about their grandkids or their siblings or their kids. You may have some coworkers that are just all about sports, and everything just turns into a conversation and a commentary about college or professional sports. As I've been thinking about that, I was thinking about John, and as I've been reading and studying these last several weeks, my sense is that if you were to sit down with him over lunch this afternoon, or he were to ride with you in your morning commute tomorrow, that he would have one topic of conversation that would continually come up, and it's Jesus. And it's, and it's your need to know him, that he is God, that he is sent from God that you need to place your faith in Jesus so that you can experience life. It's like that comes out of every chapter that we are reading here in the Gospel of John. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this 21-chapter Gospel track hits this theme over and over and over again. In John 6, we were reading of Jesus is the bread of life. In John 7, we learn that Jesus is the living water. In John 8, he is the light of the world. In John 9, he not only brings eyes to the, phys- the sight to the physical eyes, but also to the spiritual eyes. And then here in John 10, we get a new illustration, a new word picture, and it is that of the shepherd's relationship with the sheep. And so now as we look at John 10, let me just tell you where we're going today. I think there's three different I am statements that we find in John 10. There's I am the door, there is I am the good shepherd, and there is I am the son of God. And those three statements will serve as an outline for our message today. First, let's consider an introduction to this here in John 10, verses 1 through 6. He says here, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Sometimes a picture can be more helpful than a bunch of words. So in your sermon outline this morning, hopefully you have that with you, and on the very front of it, you see a picture of what a sheepfold 
or a sheep pen would have looked like. During the first century, during this area of Judea, sheep were used primarily for their wool. Some of us that were brought up on a dairy farm, maybe we would say, we know what uh, cows were like to use them for their milk. The important part is, is that the shepherd would have an ongoing relationship with these sheep. During the day, the sheep would be out in the pastures, but in the evening, in order to protect them, they would be in some sort of a fold or a pen. Now, if it was out on the countryside, you could see a pen out on the countryside, and you see the picture there. It's got walls around it. This would keep the predators from intruding in, and also from the sheep from wandering off. But there was something also, this communal pen that would take place in a village where maybe there were multiple shepherds in that village and they would go off during the day, but in the evening they would come back and there would be more than just one flock, but multiple flocks in this communal pen. And if you'll notice there, there's a picture of a door opening, but not necessarily a door. And in the morning then, the shepherd would wake and he would go to the opening of that door of that pen And he would call out. He would call out to his sheep. And the sheep would know his voice. And they would walk through the door and be led out into the pastures. Ironically, someone else could come out and call out to the sheep. But they wouldn't turn at all because they did not know their voice. I heard of a trial that took place in Australia. To tell you the truth, I'm not sure if this has actually happened or if it's just one of those stories. But there was one that was accusing another man that he had stolen his sheep. And it got so serious that these, this became a case that was set before a judge and there was a whole trial that took place. And near the end of the case, the judge thought to himself, I have no idea whose sheep these are. Both Both sides have provided some uh, convincing cases. So then the idea popped into the judge's mind. He says, i got one more witness I want to call. And he brought all the sheep into the courtroom. And he had the man that was the plaintiff who was accusing this other person of stealing a sheep. He said, I want you to go into the hallway. And while you go there, we're going to close the doors. Now I want you to call out to your sheep. And from the other side of the door, he called out. And the judge looked at the sheep, and they really didn't do anything. They were just kind of meandering around the courtroom. And he said, that's enough. You can come in now. And then he sent the other man out into the hallway, closed the doors, and he says, now you call the sheep. And at once he called out to the sheep, and the sheep began to move around that room looking for their shepherd, trying to get through the doors in order to get to him. And the judge says, I know this, that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. So what we have here in the first six verses of John chapter 10 is just this general illustration. But when we get to the end of it, verse 6, it says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now please understand, if you were here last week, that the, the theme of John chapter 9 is bleeding into John chapter 10. John chapter 9 was about blindness and spiritual blindness. And so now that is being brought in here to John 10 as this simple illustration is being shared again. The people are blind and they can't understand it. So this leads to the first I am statement. 
It's as if Jesus says, okay, well, let me give you some more specifics. And so let's read First John, I'm sorry, John 10, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And so here's the first I am statement here of John 10. I am relating back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God identified himself as I am who I am. And Jesus, let me, let me give you this illustration again, but let me tell you about the door. I am that door. This past week I read of a very famous Old Testament scholar whose name was Sir George Adam Smith. One day he was traveling with a guide and he came across the shepherd and his sheep. He fell into a conversation with him. The man showed him the fold or the pen into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with a way in. Sir George said to him, this is where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd. And when they are in there, they are perfectly safe? Yes. But there is no door, said Sir George. I am the door, said the shepherd. Now, he was not a Christian man, and he was not speaking in the la- but he was speaking in the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and says, What do you mean by the door? Said the shepherd, when the light is gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in this open space. And no sheep ever goes, but come across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. And this is what Jesus is saying. Is that he, in, in that picture that you have in your outline, he is across the door. And if someone wants to leave that fold And we can see that fold of of dry religion and want to exit out of that. There is only one way to do that. It's through Jesus that leads to abundant life. Jesus is the door to lead people out of empty religion and into the abundant life. You'll notice that it says, I am the door. There is only one way out of that pen. There's only one way out of that fold. It's through a door. And there is only one way out of damnation and religion. And it is through Jesus. Verse 8 says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. Now he is referring to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the Sanhedrin, these religious people. They called out, provided, wanted to teach the people but they would not listen to him, but they would listen to Jesus. So he says it again in verse 9, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. It is through the door that the sheep could go out and go along the still waters, could be led beside the, the green pastures, It was through the door. Not only could they experience the plentiful and the abundant life out there, but they could come back in the evening and experience the safety of the shepherd. So there's your first statement. I am the door. One might ask themselves, how are you able to bring this life? How is it possible for you to do this, Jesus? 
And then this leads to the second I am statement of John 10. You see it there in verse 11, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so there it is, I am again. This time, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. Now, there's two different Greek words for the word good. One refers to just strictly morality. And there's another word for good that speaks to not only morality, but pleasantness and loveliness. And Jesus is using the second here to refer to himself. I am the good shepherd. And how is he good? As it says there, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He willfully does this. In fact, we'll see that that language used four different places here in John chapter 10, where Jesus lays his life down and takes it up again for his sheep. Let's continue in reading in verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Here he's referring to prophets of of long ago. They don't love the sheep. They are not invested. They're merely hired hands. It's also probably worth pointing out that there really is only one good shepherd, and that is Jesus. There's only one church family that will never fail you, and that is Jesus. And if you look to me, or to look to any of our other leaders, we are not the good shepherd. We too look to the good shepherd for his guidance and his protection and to lead us in the paths of righteousness. But there really is only one good shepherd, and it is Jesus. Verse 14, he says it again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I read of a story that took place around World War I, It was of a French soldier that was very athletic. He was in the prime of his life, but he was caught up in battle. And one day his arm got wounded. And there was a surgeon that that looked over this soldier and he saw his arm. And he says, it's either his life or it's his arm. And so he, he, he cut off his arm. And there he laid beside that soldier and he thought to himself, oh my goodness, how, how sad it's going to be when this man opens his eyes and realizes that his arm is gone. And so his eyes at once open. The surgeon looked down at the soldier and he says, listen, I am so sorry to tell you that you lost your arm in battle. And the soldier looked at the doctor, the surgeon, he says, no, I didn't lose my arm. I gave my arm for France. And Jesus did not lose his life. He gave his life for you and I to experience eternal life. And church family, if you are a Christian, did you know that you are in John 10? Look at what it says here in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. There is more than one flock. There is more than one pen or one fold. Jesus here 
initially at the beginning of John 10 was referring to the, the Jews that were in this pen. They were caught up in religion and Jesus would declare to them, come out, follow me, enter a, a life with me where you could experience abundance. Come out, be saved from that religion and come out and follow me. But here's what he is saying in John 10 verse 16 is that there are other pens as well that he is calling people out of. It could be a religion that we have here in Green Bay. It could be secularism. It could be humanism. And whatever the case, he is calling them out. He says, there's one way to eternal life. It's through the door, and I am that door. For this reason, verse 17, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Now, it's one thing for a person to say, I lay down my life. In fact, probably anyone here could say that. I'll choose when I die. And they could go through some drastic measures to end their life. But no one here could say, I lay down my life and I take it up again. That is, I will be raised to life. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. And as often the case in verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? As is the case every time the the message of Jesus is proclaimed, division will occur. There will be division even this morning. And those who will receive this message and those who will reject this message. Jesus first declared that I am the door. He declared I am the good shepherd. And we learn more about that in the following verses. Verse 22 then says, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. Let me just pause for a second. I think most would say that there is a two-month gap between verses 21 through 22. Verse 21 is still in that, that time period of the Feast of the Booths. Now when you talk about the Feast of the Dedication in verse 22, now we're talking around December. About two months have passed. In fact, you've probably heard of Hanukkah or Hanukkah, this, this Jewish festival. That's what this is, the Feast of Dedication. Around the year 165 B.C., the, the Jews were overtaken by the Syrians at that time, and through Maccabees, they got their independence. And so they celebrated that time. It says there in verse 22 that it was in the winter. And Jesus was walking the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. Verse 24, So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. He has spoke to them. The good shepherd has declared this to them, but because they are not his sheep, they don't hear it. So he says in verse 27, My sheep 
hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. A part of the good shepherd is that his sheep know his voice and have received the gift of eternal life. I would ask you today, do you know his voice? Can you discern when Jesus is speaking to you? As you read the scriptures, as you meditate and memorize, do you know his voice? You'll also notice here that his sheep follow Jesus. The sheep are not like a dog or a pig that will return to the vomit, return to sin, but the sheep are determined to stay next to the shepherd. In fact, the closer they are to the shepherd, the better their life is. And then we read here again, I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. His sheep will never perish or be snatched out of his hand. And one of the great teachings of the Baptist church is this concept of the security of the believer. That if one has, has truly received this gift of life that has been presented by the Good Shepherd, the door has been opened so they can walk through it, here is the promise. The ones that give evidence of being a follower of Jesus will never be snatched out of the Father's hand. And for that, we praise the Lord. So here's the third I said there were three I am statements. The first is I am the door. The second is I am the good shepherd. And now verses 30 through the end of the chapter are going to list the third I am statement. It's just going to be some plain speech here where Jesus is applying this shepherd metaphor to the hearers of his day. In verse 30 he says, I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They've been doing this throughout the Gospel of John. According to Leviticus 24, verse 16, if one is a blasphemer, you have to take stones and throw it at them. So they believe Jesus is blaspheming at this moment. Verse 32, Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for good works that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, Make yourself God. Clearly they understood what Jesus was saying. And then we have one of the more confusing passages, I think, of all the Gospel of John. Verse 34. Jesus answers them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? Now what in the world does Jesus mean by this? That people are identified as gods? Well, he is quoting here. Keep your finger here and turn with me to Psalm chapter 82. Psalm chapter 82. Jesus in this passage here is quoting from Psalm 82. And let me just read you a few verses there and then we'll come back to John 10. Psalm 82 verse 1. God has taken his place in the divine council. 
in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. You notice the word gods there. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Now the word gods, in verse 1, in the Hebrew is the word Elohim. We can use the word judge there, but Elohim is also used to refer to God as God. And you'll notice here in verse 2 that these judges are judging unjustly and showing partiality. So what Jesus is doing is he is using this, these two verses, and we could dip down to verse 6 as well where that word is used as God's. And he is, he is making a point to the audience in John 10. They're having a hard time with him identifying himself as God. And so he says, well, you know in Psalm 82, that judges are identified as gods. Now he is not at all referring to men and women having some deity attribute. They're, they're not divine. He's just using this word as one referring to judges. And he's in... In the, in the Psalm 82, people are referred to as gods, and you have a hard time when I identify myself as the God. Now I'm back in John 10, verse 35. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent in the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? And so there is the third I am statement. I am the Son of God. Verse 37, If I am doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is me, and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, And there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. So there it is again. An appeal for people to understand who Jesus is. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the son of God. And the people who are in the congregation that day have a choice. Will they become followers of Jesus or will they reject Jesus? This morning, as you hear these words going out from John 10, do you sense the Lord is leading you to become one of his sheep, that you would be a follower of his? Do you find yourself in a fold or a pen today? Or you find yourself wrapped up in religion of rules and expectations, unable to keep these? Do you find yourself wrapped up in a world of secularism or humanism where you seek to please others, pursue materialism, pursue pleasures? There is one way out. There's one door, and it's through Jesus. If you will take the steps to receive the gift of eternal life that he has given to you, you can experience the abundant life. Are you in need of a shepherd today? He has laid down his life for you, and he would bring it back up three days later. Is there anyone here today in need of leading the good shepherd, leading your life? Are you willing to follow? 
the Bible refers to us as sheep. And, and that's not a compliment towards us, is it? But I wonder how many this morning could say that that's actually a really good illustration of who I am. I'm, I'm really given over to fear. I can easily wander away. I, I am in desperate need of a shepherd that would direct my life. It was good for me to understand that there is one that loves me enough that has gave his life for me. And I'm grateful for that gift. When we pray together, Father, I thank you that we have the good shepherd. He has come for us. He's led us out of religion. He's led us out of our world's worldliness here into a relationship with him. And there was great joy in walking through these paths of righteousness besides the still waters. When he is our shepherd, we don't have a want. We could even walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't have to fear any evil because he comforts us with his rod and his staff. And we can look to our future and know that goodness and mercy will follow us all of our days. We thank you for this. These great promise found in the scriptures for us that no one would be able to snatch us out of your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.